Hey, everybody. Welcome back to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. And today I interviewed somebody named Jessica Tsor. It's a really interesting interview. It's a little different than other people who I've interviewed. But I really wanted you to learn about what she does and how she uses her struggle to help other people, which I find super inspirational. So I just wanted to point out a few things. Um, So Jessica talks about her mental health struggles very openly in the podcast, and she really wants to break the stigma about mental illness. And she wants people to know that just like somebody could be struggling with cancer, it's not that person's fault. It's really the same thing with somebody who's struggling with mental illness. And um, we also talk about ways that Jessica copes with her mental illness. And one of them is chesed, which is doing kindness for others. And she actually has a gemach in Bayswater. And we were discussing before and after the recording, like what the parameters are to be able to use her gemach. So I just wanted to be really clear and clarify that it's really for anybody who feels that they could use it. So it's not like it's not like if you can't, you can only use it if you can't pay your bills. It's like we all know that living in New York is really expensive for from families, paying for tuition and paying for grocery bills and paying for yent of clothes. And um, Jessica gets these donations from stores that are, that are, I think, trying to get rid of their inventory maybe or they just want to donate to be kind. And she charges a very, very small fee, 50 cents to $5 for every item. And all of that goes to Tadako that she raises funds for people to go to camp, which is really, really, really beautiful. So I just wanted to put that out there. And you could definitely reach out to Jessica if you want to be, if you want to come to her gamach. She has store hours. And she also asks that people who do come to the gamach just follow the rules because she really is trying to help everyone and do a chesed. And it is really important that we follow her rules, especially so that it could go smoothly and everybody could get what they need. So I have been there. I really, I'm not like a really great shopper. <laughs> I don't really like to shop. And um, Jessica has become a friend of mine and um, she's really helpful also, just so you know, she's great. I really like her. My kids got to meet her also recently and we had a really great time hanging out with her. So I wanted you to reach out to her also if you're looking for any sort of support that has to do with mental illness, whether it's a referral to a therapist or you're looking to join some, join some sort of support group, Jessica might be able to help you either join her support group or help you find some resources. She's really, really accessible and great and really loves to help. And if you, you could also book her if you want her to come speak to a group of people who are struggling or want to learn more about mental illness. She's open and she really just really honestly wants to help. So um, all of this information is going to be in the show notes. You could reach out to me directly or you could email her, which I'm going to provide in the show notes. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast as well as the YouTube channel. Visit me on Instagram at dietitian.gilaglassberg. And if you'd like to see more of my content, please visit my website, www.gilaglassberg.com. You could book a 20-minute free consultation to get to know me and see if my approach is right for you. I do one-on-one counseling, intuitive eating nutrition counseling, as well as I run groups 
every few months I will pick up a group. So please reach out. And if you don't know this already, you should just know that I do. I'm still currently accepting insurance. I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to be doing that, but I definitely do accept insurance. So if if you think we're a good match, please go to my website, www.gilaglassberg.com and set up a free consultation. And without further ado, let's get to the show. Hi, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. I know you're going to love the content here because you will gain inspiration, powerful tools and insights, and valuable knowledge. If you want more of this, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or visit me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. I'm Gila Glassberg, a registered dietitian and intuitive eating counselor. I have come to realize by counseling many, many women that this work is much deeper and greater than food and body image. It's the bigger picture challenges we face of love, belonging, acceptance, what our true values and goals are, noticing them, addressing them, and gaining skills to move forward. If you have been struggling with what your life's purpose is, or you just feel stuck in general and don't know what's holding you back, this podcast will enlighten and inspire you to take action and move forward. This podcast is about other women in the 21st century who feel that losing weight will fix all their problems or somehow meet their unmet needs. Okay. Hi, everybody. It's Gila Glassberg, registered dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. And today I have Jessica Tsor. Thanks for joining us, Jessica. Thank you for having me. Sure. And Jessica, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where do you live and what do you do? Sure. Um, I live in Bayswater, which is the other side of Farakaway, for those who may not know. Um, I have five children who I adore with all of my heart and who drive me crazy at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I actually am not from around here. I'm very out of town. I grew up in New Hampshire. I was there until I um, went to college and then I moved to Manhattan. Oh, wow. um, and I met my husband who oh. is Yemenite. I met him over here in Bayswater. Oh, wow. And I have been running a play group. That's what I do. I run a two-year-old play group. I've been doing that for the past 10 years. Wow. Okay. So I didn't know that. So how did you end up in New York? Just curious. So how did I end up in New York? Oh, wow. Okay. So this is a very long story. Um, I, should I go far back? What do you want? Short details? You want long details? I grew up in New Hampshire. I, I was supposed to go to Stern College. Okay? Mm-hmm. I went to Stern College for a week. I realized it was not for me. And I went back home to New Hampshire and I enrolled in the University of New Hampshire. And then uh, my junior year abroad, I studied at Hebrew University for a semester. And I became, actually, that's when I became firm. I didn't grow up religious. And I became, I became firm in high school. And then I stopped and I became firm again in college in Israel. And I met some very close friends who I moved to Manhattan with. And we lived there for three years. Oh, wow. And I've been, so I was, how old was I then? 24. So I've been in New York since I'm 24. Wow. Okay, that's so cool. That's really interesting. I would love to hear all about, like, how you became firm. Because I, I have this, like, bad habit where, like, when people tell me, like, they converted or they're, they, they didn't grow up from, like, I need to know their story, but not everyone's so open, and that's not the topic for tonight, but one day, maybe we'll, you'll different come time, I'm more than happy to share. Okay, awesome. <laughs> so, I wanted to bring you on, because you started this gamash, right? It's called Leave, Leave Me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that's how we kind of met, right? Because um, I come to your gamash, and it's open to the public, right? To the yep. community, and... Yep. It happens to me like something that like in like deeply deeply moves me is like people who do things just to help others it's like so 
beautiful. Like I can't, I don't really get it. It's not, that's not my strength, but, um, you know, my, my mom was actually like that, but, um, yeah, so, so we got to talking, I think you saw my status and you asked me if I, Right. I, I remember this conversation actually in the Gamach, right? I think I approached you in the Gamach and I, I asked you if you were a clinician, I think. I, I think that you just saw my status and you were like, are you, are you? Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Okay. I was actually really flattered. I was very flattered. I'm like, I feel really cool. Like, she's really cool that she's. <laughs> um, so, and then I got to hear a little bit about the history. So how did the Gamach come to be? So um, it started after Hurricane Sandy. Um, our, our community was really hit, like a people lost a lot of belongings. And so I think it was in Shar Yashu that they like opened up and just started distributing different kinds of things, clothing, food. And I started collecting. I just like ended up in that. First of all, I needed something to do. I was kind of losing my mind during Hurricane Sandy. We were all stuck at home, no electricity. So I'm very goal oriented. So I started going to Shar Yashu and just bringing back clothing like different sizes and I started just opening up my house to, like a lot of people couldn't get out it was a very stressful time yeah and for me it kept me focused and it was very helpful people could come get shoes they were giving out everything and so much was new um and thank god it was very helpful to a lot of families at the time and after Hurricane Sandy passed like we started getting um gently used items from Lakewood and Muncie from everywhere and we had a lot of stuff and people just kept calling and saying, oh, are you still open? Do you still have merchandise? Do you still, you know, do you have boys size this? And I realized that with so many growing families and so many struggling families, this is really something that the community could benefit from all year round. Mm -hmm. And um, we were only doing use at the time. We got new from Shariashu, but then after that, it was only gently used merchandise. I, I don't honestly, you know, sometimes when you start things, you really don't realize how it's going to grow and how successful it's going to be. And I don't even know how I got to where I am today. We're very fortunate that we're under the Bayswater Neighbors Fund, um, which allows us to give stores and manufacturers receipts. So it gives us a very big opportunity to get new merchandise. Now, how many years? I don't even remember when Hurricane Sandy was. How long ago was that? Do you remember? Well, I was actually pregnant with my daughter, and she said. I was just going to say, and I was pregnant with my son, and he said. Yeah. So there we go. Thank you. <laughs> um, so um, since then, we really, like we just got in a shipment from Shuin. We probably have 3,000 pairs of shoes now sitting in the garage, and we have two WhatsApp chats. We have people coming from Farakaway and Five Towns and Queens and Great Neck. And each time we have an event, more people sign up, especially now people, you know, people are, are struggling a lot more than even before. So Hashem, it's really, it, it's an overwhelming job, but it's a very, very rewarding job on both sides. I, you know, for me, Chesed is like something that just fills my heart with a lot of positive emotions and it's helping a lot of people at the same time so it, it's a win-win for all of us so let's just clarify it's not really a job right it's a no it's not a job it's not it's a, a job. Volunteer, volunteer position that you have taken on correct right okay. it just it involves a lot of hours right right which is right incredible and i'm not such a good delegator but yeah <laughs> okay got it well you're doing really so many so i know i go i tell all my friends to go i it's like helps us tremendously and also I think for a lot of people like going to a gamach center can be very uncomfortable and yeah. the feedback that i've gotten is that it's not an uncomfortable environment like right. 
I mean, I guess maybe you can speak. I, I, we try our best to keep only things in there, even the used items that are in very good condition. And right. we want people to, to come and, and leave with, with dignity, you know, to yeah. feel good about what they're getting and what they're bringing back for their, for their families. Right. And people pay like very little and that money goes towards another funds, right? Like a camp right. fund. So we, yeah, we do. I mean, so anywhere from 50 cents to like $5 is max. And the um, majority of the money goes to our camp scholarship fund. This year we were able to help and there were no, not a lot of camp scholarship funds available this year. We were able to help, I think 35 families with like, um, yeah, help their kids send their kids to day camp. So that's incredible. Yeah. Thank wow. You. I'm, I'm going to start crying. Um, okay. So, so one of the reasons why we spoke was because you were very open with your struggles with mental health, anxiety, and depression. Right. Right. So, yeah. and, and you mentioned that like doing chesed is sort of like healing for you. Very. Well, so do you mind telling us a little bit about like, were you diagnosed as a child? Like, did it only come about as in adulthood? Sure. Sure. So, you know, it's interesting. I was actually just having a conversation with my mother um, because I'm learning so much as I spend a lot of time in, in therapy. I'm learning a lot that I didn't know before. Um, as a child, really since I'm born, I've had physical symptoms. Um, I mean, everything from A to C. I spent years and years in the doctors getting MRIs and, and EKGs. I had, I can't even describe to you the amount of physical symptoms I had. And my parents didn't know. We just thought, we really had no idea what was wrong. Um, and nothing ever came up to like, thank God, nothing ever showed up on any of the tests, but I never felt well. And then when I went to college, it really got out of hand. I was having, and it was only, yes, I was an anxious person. I had a lot of social anxiety, um, but I functioned. I danced in high school and I did, I, I didn't love participating in social events, but that's not such an abnormal thing. Right. Um, in college, I started experiencing extreme dizziness and lightheadedness. I mean, I was in school, I was dorming, I was going to classes, but I felt like I was on a boat. I literally had to hold onto my, I remember like not even understanding how I was sitting in class. I had to hold onto the sides of my desk because I felt like I was toppling over. And I dealt with these symptoms for like three years. And again, I went back for MRIs and EKGs thinking it was a heart or something in my brain and nothing ever turned up. And after I spent the semester in Israel and I was living with um, my friends, one friend out of Busa, she said to me, Jessica, why don't you go see a psychologist? And I looked at her like she, she herself needed a psychologist. Why are you telling me to do this? Thank God I listened. Um, that had also been the year of September 11th, which I think now I came from New Hampshire, a tiny little quiet city, moved to New York. All of a sudden, September 11th happened. I remember my grandmother passed away that year. And so she thought maybe it was related to something psychological. So I did go. I was not a believer in this, but I listened to her. And then she sent me to a psychiatrist. And it was the first time that I was prescribed medication. They prescribed Celexa, which changed my life. It really, really changed my life. And the physical symptoms started to disappear, which allowed me to function. I was able mm -hmm. to go to the gym. I was able to enjoy time being with friends. You know, I wasn't experiencing the dizziness. And I still had anxiety, but I was, I was really functioning. Um, and then three years ago, I had a trigger. Again, I learn, learn as you go that I really crashed. I, I stopped eating. I never had a, an issue with food and I completely stopped eating. I lost 30 pounds in like two and a half months. I couldn't get out of bed. I started having severe, severe panic attacks. I knew something was wrong. Um, but 
the hardest thing was that I was still teaching and I was still running the gamach and I was still parenting my children and nobody could see what I was experiencing. I just got the compliments. Oh my gosh, you look amazing. You're losing so much weight. What are you doing? I know, I know. And Gila, I was dying inside, dying. And this anxiety turned into depression and the depression turned into very, very unhealthy thoughts. Very. And I was turning into a person that I just didn't recognize anymore. I, I, I felt lost and, and alone and hopeless. And I just didn't know where to turn. Um, and thank God I am active in the community. And I started to share with people. Somebody raised funds for me to get um, a treatment called DBT therapy, which stands for dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, I really owe a lot of my recovery to that. It opened my eyes to a lot of what I was struggling with. And it gave me, you really follow a, a, a handbook of skills mm-hmm. and you learn to deal with your anxiety and depression. And that's where I look like, now I understand why chesed is so important to me because it is a skill. It's an actual skill. Giving to others can actually make you feel better. Um, for me, it's, it's the skill that works the best. I still struggle. I'm not, you know, it's not, I'm not out of the blue. It's some days are easier than others. I am in therapy a lot, um, individual and group. And it is a daily, it's a daily struggle, but thank God it is much better than it was. Wow. And thank you for sharing the story. And what, what allowed you, what do you think allowed you to be like open about your story? Cause there is a lot of shame and stigma around it. hundred percent. It wasn't easy. Um, and I'm going to be very open. I think this is like the first time I'm really going to be so open and honest. I did experience two hospital stays. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of stigma that, that comes along with that. And, um, both of those experiences were extremely traumatic for me. And there were a lot of other Jewish women in the hospital as well. And we started having, you connect with these people when you're there, you form a very strong connection. Um, and we were all talking about how there is not one organization in the Jewish community that only deals not only with mental health, but just for women. Mm-hmm. And I made a commitment. I remember the second time I was in the hospital, I said, something has to change. I, when you're struggling, you can't go calling. I'm not saying that there are not organizations. There are, but each one does a little bit. So you have to take it upon yourself to call this person and that one. When you're going through such like a severe sense of, of depression, not everybody has the strength to do that. No. So I said, you know what, I'm risky. I, I am going to deal with the stigma and I'm going to start sharing my story and in hopes that other people can learn that a it's okay to struggle. It's nothing to be ashamed about. It's, it's an illness. It's, it's not your fault. It's, it's an illness just like any other illness and B there is help out there. And, and even if there's not as much help as we want, now we're going to work harder to create what is missing. Um, the more we're quiet, the less we're able to get help ourselves and to help other people. And you're, like you said before, you really are a go-getter. Like you are trying to raise money for other people to get therapy, right? And so we just launched, um, thank God, I like Hashem is really with me in this. Um, I just launched, launched a mental health organization. It's called CATCH and it stands for creating a team of courage and hope. Um, it's specifically for women and it's focuses on, focuses on anxiety and depression. Um, the best way that I can describe what we're trying to do is it's really to create a high lifeline for mental health. So all of these, um, things that people have access to, if God forbid they're struggling with mental health, I mean, with, with a physical illness, they should really have access to if they're struggling with, with mental health. And that includes like, we started with peer support groups. We have a peer support group right now 
going in West Hempstead, and last night we just started in Borough Park. Um, so peer support groups and getting chesed girls into these homes when you're struggling, you feel like you're falling apart. So to have somebody come in, help with preparing dinner or even getting meals delivered, helping children with homework, um, sending care packages just to let people know that they're not alone. You know, something as like simple as a candle and a pair of cozy socks, just saying you are not alone. We are here with you. We know how hard this is. We're going to get through this together hospital visits. I mean, the, the, the longer term goals and the harder term goals are really getting a solid therapy fund. I think it's very, very much needed. Therapy, good therapy is extremely expensive and it really can be life-saving. Um, and then my end goal is to create an insurance covered facility. So instead of getting sent to a psych ward, women can go to a place where they will be treated with dignity and as human beings rather than a number in a clipboard and or as a suicidal patient you know you have a first name and a last name you are a mother and a friend and a and a spouse um we have a lot of goals but it really is to create a, a one encompassing organization for mental health so this um organization called catch you started it single-handedly or you have like a team so i did start it single-handedly but i now do have a team i'm working with two clinicians in the neighborhood um, um Bracha silverstein and deborah marchak we are like a group of us together and we're looking to get more people on board we're you know talking to rabbanim we definitely have a lot of organizations backing us we're under the davis memorial fund so we have our own fund once we start fundraising we're under them um mask is funding all the, the peer support groups wow um, yeah it's everybody know every organization you reach out to we all know that this is a need there's nobody denying that this is a need for the community and you just sort of decided to take it upon yourself to fill the need you know, listen when you I, i'm not saying that i have the strongest demuna i definitely think we had this conversation also um it's something that i struggle with but it's very easy to take your struggles and say why me and fall into an even further state of depression and it's much healthier to take these struggles and say i have them they're here what can I do with them to help other people? And again, that goes back to the chesed. And, you know, chesed for me is I fall my, feel myself falling into a state of depression. Chesed really keeps me from falling under the water. When I feel like, and when COVID first started, I felt myself falling and crashing and I knew that I had to do something. So I reached out to Vina um, Magazine and I had an, a ma an article published about what I'm trying to do. And I reached out to manufacturers getting more clothing there's something very healing, even when you're struggling and you can help somebody else, it is, I have no words for it. It's just a very, very powerful feeling. Did you grow up in a home that was very chesed oriented or did, was it modeled? Like where did you, where did you learn so that? So I didn't, again, I didn't grow up from like chesed. My mother was, my mother was um, the preschool director of the Jewish Federation for 30 plus years. And she's a very giving person. Like our door was always open. We were always the house that people would just drop off their kids if they they needed to do errands. But chesed wise, not really. Warm and loving, yes. But not really so much about chesed. I didn't really know what chesed was until I became from. So how do you know that chesed would be some, like did you just have a hunch? Like how do you know it would be healing for you? So I didn't, I don't think I did, but once I started the Gamach, I felt it as I, you know, people come into your home and they say, thank you. And you really see like, you know, I go to the Shabbos park now and I see half the neighborhood walking around with new shoes that they got and new Shabbos dresses. It does, it makes you feel good. And I'm, 
you know, people are always like, wow, what? it's a simple thing. It's a phone call. Yes. Am I, I'm grateful that I have the space that I can do that I can do it in, but it's that there's so many ways we can bring chesed into our lives. Like from just even picking up the phone and calling somebody to see how they're doing. And I didn't know that it was, would be such a healing and powerful, you know, skill for me. And it is a skill at this point. Um, I didn't know. And I'm very grateful and thankful, you know, people turn to very unhealthy coping skills to get through hard times and, Thank God this is just something that that worked for me. Could I just say this for people who are listening that that doesn't mean like I would say like I always say this to my own clients also but like a lot of healing is like trial and error so like your healing might not be someone else's healing so don't 100%. feel guilty if it's not but that's really incredible. This is the, the thing about also with DBT you have a book and it gives you hundreds and hundreds of skills giving back happens to be one of them, but it's only one. There are so many different skills. I mean, listening to music can be a skill. Exercise can be a skill. There are so many skills that help people to get out of a dark place. Um, I will, it doesn't make the dark place disappear, but it can definitely help you get into a better frame of mind. Definitely. A hundred percent. Okay. So um, what do you think people need to know about mental illness? I guess we touched upon it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think I think as time is going on, the stigma is definitely slowly, slowly starting to decrease. But I think the biggest thing is that it's real. Even if you can't see it, it's real, and it's not a choice. It is. Um, it is just like any other illness. It's not something you know. Sometimes people look at. I guess they see the way people react if they have mental illness. Sometimes they seem standoffish, or sometimes they seem. I don't even know, but it, this is an illness, it's a sickness, and it is not anybody's choice. Um, and it doesn't mean, it's just a part of who you are, it doesn't define you as an individual. I think the, I think our biggest job is to knock down the self-stigma that we have within ourselves. For me, that was, you know, very, very hard. Um, again, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna continue to be open because this is what we're doing. Um, I actually have a diagnosis of, it's called borderline, um, and I deal with very intense emotions that come and go very, very fast. And it took me a long time even to be able to say that word. Um, but now I walk around to some of my closest friends and I say, I'm borderline and I'm proud because guess what? Having this has made me who I am today. And I'm able to take a step back with the diagnosis and say, I have this diagnosis and I can still be an amazing and awesome person. Yeah. Um, so it just, it doesn't define you. It shouldn't define you. It shouldn't define you how you see yourself and it shouldn't define how other people see you. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely like, it's so hard because like, I, 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 I blogged about this a little bit, but like using like your, your struggles as like turning it around and using it like as a strength sort of right. thing, right? or, you know, using it to help others. But it could be so like, it, it's so amazing that you actually do it because I know like, at least like when I'm struggling, like I want to do that, but like it could be so debilitating. So like just the fact that you learned like what helps you. Listen, it's not, I'm not going to lie. It's not easy. When I, when I fall, I do, I, I, would I rather like, not what I rather do. I feel like getting in my bed and pulling the covers up and telling everybody to go away. I do, but I know that that will just bring me to a darker place. Right. You know, it, it's, it's learning these skills. You know, even what you want to do at the time may not necessarily be the best for you to get out of this torture and this dark hole um it's just practicing skills over and over and over again so that they become easier like what you're doing here on the podcast right right so this is very hard for me i was telling gila before this is very anxiety provoking for me um 
I was pacing for half an hour before. My heart was racing. I mean, this is new for me. I am not a public speaker. It causes me a lot of anxiety. Um, this is actually called exposure therapy. You know, facing your fears definitely makes things easier. But um, yeah, that's that's part of it. Is each time you face something that's challenging for you, the, the next time you do it, it gets easier and easier and easier. So you just gotta push past that part, and you can get to the other side. It's incredible. You're, it's so true. I mean, I, t- I told you, and I always talk about this, but I have like this really serious fear of not interviewing, but public speaking. And in a way, it's like a little bit exhilarating, but it's also like, I also, I just, I, I pace. It's so, so, so challenging. And it's like, yeah, every time I push myself, I'm like, I'm so. It gets easier. It gets easier, but it's, it's so hard. Right. It is. I have to tell you, so um, for me, I could never get gas. That was one of the things I was never able to do. Um, and I finally decided to do it with a clinician. It sounds crazy. Like most people go get gas. It's a very natural thing. I had this fear that I was going to push the button and end up spraying everybody with gas and the whole place would blow up. It's not rational, but it was a real fear for me. Right. Like a phobia. So what they do is you go get gas and then you do it every single day. And each time I go get gas now, I call my mom. I'm like, mom, go to a new gas station. Like it, it's amazing. That's what exposure is. It, it really, really works. And you can right. do it with any kind of fear that you have. It's not easy. It's scary at the beginning. Right. But the more you do it, the more you get used to it and, and the easier it gets. And it really can open up a lot of doors. I think it's just important for people to hear this also because like uh, fears aren't really, uh, most fears are not rational, right? So right. Like, I think we have, like you said before, we have like self-stigma, like, why am I so afraid to go to shul? Or like certain things my clients tell me and I'm thinking like, yeah, I totally get that. Like, you know, but they're like, I'm so embarrassed. I can't believe it. And I'm like, oh, please. Like we all, like we all have these fears, you know? Right. Like, everybody has, I mean, everybody has different fears, hundred percent. Right. right. And there's so many different variables, like why you might have it. Maybe it's just for no reason. It's just how Hashem made you. Or maybe it's because there was some sort of trauma around that specific thing, but like, there's no, there really, it is what it is. Like, I, I know that so many people would be like, Oh, what's wrong with you? Just like get gas. But it's not, it's not I like think that's the reaction a lot with, especially with anxiety. People are just like, chill out, get over it. Right. It doesn't work like that. If it worked no. like that, we'd all get past our fears. But okay. even though they're not rational, they are to you. They're, they're logical to you. A fear is a fear. I mean, right. if it doesn't make sense to somebody else. It doesn't matter. Right. You're scared of it. It is a fear to you. Right. Exactly. Um, okay. So what would you say are like your best tips for somebody who is struggling and they need, they're start, they're just starting out and like recovering or noticing that they need help? Um, where would you, what would you advise they start? So if they're, if they're lucky enough to get to the first step where they realize that they do need help, um, I think the first step is reaching out for help, you know, to admit that you're struggling and and reach out whether it's to an organization like relief or beaker Folim, just to get a referral of, of a clinician therapy is everybody should be in therapy I, I know i'm not the only person that right i think you agree with me everybody I, I yeah yeah so and i you know i actually um um i love running and it wasn't i used to have a lot of panic attacks during running and again i did exposure and i pushed and i pushed and each time i ran like the more i pushed the stronger i became and i I feel like it's such a good comparison to therapy. Therapy is not easy. Anybody who thinks they're going to walk into a clinician's door and they're going to give you some magic pill to make all your issues go away, don't go and go. Don't go to therapy if, if that's what you're thinking. Therapy is hard work, but the more you do it, you the more you have the ability to reach a healing place. 
Um, and I think that's the first step. Reaching out for help is not something to be ashamed of. It's something to be very, very proud of. It's really a sign of strength. Um, and also to start connecting with other people. That's why we're starting these peer support groups, to connect with other people that are also struggling. Because when you see that you're not the only one, again, it just opens doors. You know, you have, we have so much stigma. Why, why do I feel this way? Why do I do this? You're going to see that so many people are hiding behind your, their own masks and struggling secretly. Um, and if we just start connecting with others and really listening, we'll see that we, we are all struggling in our own ways. Um, but reaching out for help, I think, is, is a very important step. And what are your best like self-care tips for people to start implementing? So self-care is hard. Um, I'm actually trying to get better at it. But you really have, it's such a personal thing, self-care. I mean, like you said before, just with, with you know, even coping skills, every, things work differently for, for each person. So you have to ask yourself, you know, take all your responsibilities aside and ask yourself what makes you feel good. You know, is it, is it half an hour of exercise? Is it a warm bath? Is it going out for a cup of coffee with a friend? Anything that makes you feel good and connected or just like, just a, a quiet frame of mind, those are all self-care, you know, skills. It's so individual. You really just have to to ask yourself what you think would work best for you. What works best for me may not work, you know, for another person, but there's lots of self-care out there. You just have to take the time to figure out what will work for you. Definitely. And I like, you know, it's one of my favorite topics. So like, there's definitely, there's so many things out there. There's emotional self-care, physical self-care, making sure you're meeting your own needs. It's like, it really, I mean, it doesn't take the illness away. Let's just be honest, but it definitely helps manage it. Right. You know what, for me, I, th I always felt guilty. Like I always felt, no, I can't give myself self-care. I have five children. I have a job. I need to cook dinner. I need to do laundry. When you don't allow yourself the time for self-care, you are not going to function to your maximum capacity. Definitely. You need to take that. Even if it's just like a 10 minute self-care break every single day, um, you know, to drink a cup of coffee mindfully and feel the, the mug and 10 minutes can, can make your day, you know, a lot easier. It's so true. I totally agree with that. And I see, I see a big like shift in my own life since I started doing it in my client's life. And it is, it's, it's hard. It's really, really hard, especially if maybe just the culture we live in that, like, there's like a lot of like be, being a martyr, you know, but you got to just go, go, go. You have a free moment. You got to accomplish something else. You can't take time for yourself. Yeah. Right. And maybe that used to work. Like I, I talk to my friends about this a lot. Like I'm like, maybe that used to work. Cause like so many people subscribe to that, but it doesn't work today and that's okay. Right. No. Right. Self-care is very important. Yeah. So seriously, like I, I know I said it a lot, but like you are a real inspiration to me and you've helped so many people and like, I can't thank you enough. The community can't thank you enough. Um, is there anything you want to end, end off end off with? Um, I specifically, no, I just, you know, I mean, for me now I'm focusing so much on, on this new organization that, you know, if, if I just want to let people know that if you, they are struggling, you know, I don't know if you can share my, a way that they can contact me, but, um, we're really trying to be there for women, especially now with school starting and Chagim coming and there's so much anxiety. People are, are struggling, you know, with new anxiety because of COVID or, or mm -hmm. you know, past anxiety and depression that there is help out there. Um, you do not have to struggle in silence and you do not have to be ashamed of your struggling. And 
we are going to get through this together as a community, as women, as friends, as mothers, we can do this together. We can beat this together and, and stay strong for each other. Yes, 100%. And I could put all your information in the show notes in this podcast and on Instagram also. Okay, terrific. Okay, thanks so much for joining me. It was great. Thank you, Sheila. It was so, so nice. I really yeah. appreciate it. No problem. Have a great night. Okay, you too. Take care. Thank you all so much for being here on my podcast, Get Into It with Gila. If you'd like to learn more about what I do and what intuitive eating is, please visit my website at www.gilaglassberg.com or follow me on Instagram at gilaglassberg. Thank you so much. Have a great day.